It's Tuesday, February 20th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, we are privileged to have Chuck Johnson join us on the Defender Podcast, and it's not just an honor because of Chuck's role with the NCFA, the National Council for Adoption, but also because Chuck was my predecessor at Lifeline and spent many years uh, right out of Auburn University uh, serving at Lifeline and then leading as the executive director and the president of Lifeline. And so what a great legacy that he continued from John Carr, our founder, and then was able to pass on to me. So Chuck, thanks for being here. And uh, I guess first, just uh, reflect a little bit on your time at Lifeline and then tell us a little bit about what you're doing now with the NCFA. Sure, and I'm glad to do that. And Herbie, I, I would really like, like just to compliment you on what a fantastic job that you've done. Uh, I loved my time. I was there seven, almost 17 years at Lifeline, and those were precious years to me. And I was so invested in that ministry, and and um, it was hard, hard to leave um, uh, when the Lord. Uh, led us here, but um, to to see what you and your staff have done in the in the years uh, since I left is just amazing. And um, I don't think I could have done it. Uh, what what uh, the accomplishments that you, that you've done? So congratulations to you. But yeah, there is a uh, a long connection and association between Lifeline and National Council for Adoption. Um, you mentioned John Carr, who was my mentor. For all of those years, he um, was very involved in, in in CFA. He was a board member, and and as he got older, he turned more and more of that involvement to me. Um, as we were starting the international programs at Lifeline, it was very difficult for us there in Birmingham, Alabama, to try to figure out what's happening around the country and 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 um, with some of the international issues, and and so. Um, I became very involved in their international committee, and and uh, which was very active at the time, and and uh, I guess that association, that connection, and some other things happened that um, the invitation came for for me to join um, national council, and so um, I've been a part of this organization now for almost 15 years, and we've lived in the D.C. area. I'm missing. Birmingham every day, but uh, we've been here now um, for um, 13 years. Wow. And uh, I know that really the the things that you've been able to accomplish at NCFA have been amazing. And you started with the Infant Adoption Awareness Training Program. And uh, I remember even one of my first introductions into adoption and into infant adoption was through the infant adoption awareness training program and you know NCFA had such a a large domestic presence but you've really helped it grow internationally too and so uh, just talk about some of the current roles and you know I know that that you guys have a full plate and and really could even use more staff with everything that's going on but talk about just some of the, the roles that NCFA is playing in the adoption world. Yeah, and ultimately we're we're an adoption advocacy organization that has a really ambitious vision of seeing children everywhere, whether they're here in this country or around the world, that they 
um, find stable, loving, nurturing families. Um, and so that's our goal, and that's what we uh, set out every day to to try to accomplish it. Um, we also try to do that in uh, like strategically. We want to be the authoritative voice for uh, adoption, uh, whether it's infant adoption, intercountry um, adoptions from foster care. And we want to be an effective voice for children who need families. We want to be an advocate and protector of birth families, and we want to be champions for adoptive families. And and um, and we want to influence like all aspects of adoption in terms of its image and its representation as, as, as the bigger picture of the cause of adoption. We want to research and know what um, the best way to accomplish these goals are. And we want to influence best practices um, among adoption professionals. And, and, uh, and to do that, we do a lot of research. We do a lot of education. We do a lot of, writing and publications and and um, we're very involved in the legislative process here on Capitol Hill um, that was a, a skill that I had never um, engaged too much in in Alabama but uh, I've had to quickly learn how to to work uh, the system here on on the hill and I spend a lot of time there at the Capitol trying to um, promote adoption friendly legislation yeah, and because of really where you guys are right there in the heart of D.C. and, and Alexandria, but so close to D.C. and everything that's going on, I mean, through your tenure at NCFA, you've been in the Oval Office, and you've certainly been uh, at Congress, and, and you've been at the Department of State with important meetings that are affecting children's lives around the world and that are affecting kids' lives here at home. and. Uh, either those kids that are being placed for adoption by birth parents or those that are in the foster system. And so we're grateful for the advocacy of NCFA. But because of that, you've kind of got a, a front row seat to some of the major issues that are affecting children and adoptive families. And so, I mean, if you had to say, what are some of the top issues right now that are affecting uh, orphans around the world and, and adoptive families? Well, there's a great deal of uncertainty uh, in many areas, uh, particularly intercountry adoption. Um, and I know that's uh, difficult for um, adoption service providers and the families they're working with to um, figure some of those things out as we all are trying to, to do that. Um, there's a, a great deal of competition for the limited number of domestic infants. Um, there are only about a little over 18,000 infants placed in our country every year, and there really probably are close to a million families who would like to adopt uh, one of those children. And so um, it's, uh, it's a challenge, I think. Um, there are a lot of frustrations. I know Lifeline does a lot in terms of foster care, and, and there's just a great deal of frustration that families have working with the public agencies, um, which are said to be inefficient and, and not receptive and not always promoting the best interest of the children in their care. And then you've got the, the challenges of families who've adopted children coming from hard places and, and their growing need for uh, supportive services. And I know agencies like Lifeline are stepping up to the plate to um, provide and, and walk alongside families in that journey who need it. I think the cost of adoption is 
certainly uh, a factor. It's um, and a lot of families, I think, are facing those challenges of how they, they feel called to adopt. They want to adopt. They know they can provide a child a, a really good home, but how to uh, how to incur the expense and and um, not uh, bankrupt uh, themselves. And um, I think there's just a really growing challenge in the field of adoption for families in really knowing who they can work with, who they can trust, who will do an ethical adoption for them, who will stand with them in the long run. And so I think those are kind of the the major things that are facing families that we hear so much about. Well, I know that one of the things and the challenges, especially for an Alabama boy growing up in the buckle of the Bible Belt, being in D.C., is just, you know, the culture there is is certainly not a Christian culture in a lot of ways. And uh, when you are have a deep abiding faith like like you and Susan do and have led your family towards, uh, it's hard, you know, walking in those halls sometimes. But but I know that being a man of faith and, and being a, a brother in Christ like you are, that you are, are certainly heading into each day with prayer. Uh, I know that you've been blessed with, with several staff members that um, are also Christ followers that you're able to pray for the agenda of NCFA and what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world for adoption. And uh, how can how can other families be joining you guys in praying for adoption? And just what are some specific ways that you would lead families or, or stakeholders or others who are who are really interested in in defending the fatherless and showing the gospel to the fatherless? How would you how would you encourage us to pray right now? And what are some things we can be praying for? Well, I'm more aware of this, I think, today than even when we were in the, the middle of it uh, there at Lifeline, but just um, the battle, I think, for children and how you would not engage in this battle without covering yourself and bathing yourself in prayer is, uh, I mean, I, it's just, uh, I'm increasingly aware of it every day. And so um, I find myself uh, setting the alarm clock a little bit earlier each day so that um, um, I can uh, uh, refresh myself um, in God's word and um, to cast my concerns and cares on, on him. So I, I think if you're going to work in this area, um, where if you're going to adopt a child, um, this is something that I think every Christian must be praying over every detail of it. Um, I think that if you're adopting a child, families are going to need wisdom and patience. Um, I think that um, you should be praying for the child that you hope to adopt, even if that child's not born yet or known to you. I had the privilege this morning of meeting with a friend who uh, he and his wife were um, scheduled to go pick up their son in a, a couple of months in China. And we were just praying that today he would even though they can't be there to do it, that uh, somebody would be there in that institution to, to love on him and care for him. Um, so praying for the child. And I think families need to be very diligent to pray over the details of their adoption um, and that the people they're working with are representing them and, and um, ethically and rightly and ensuring that every step in the process, whether it's domestic or in our country, that 
that everything is being done ethically and to God's glory so that he can bless it. Amen. Well, Chuck, I know that you, uh, you've been around uh, this political scene. And I mean, that's one of the things you said, you know, it was something that growing up in Alabama, you certainly didn't learn particularly or that Lifeline didn't prepare you for being in chambers and, and going on to Capitol Hill and advocating. But one of the things I, I tell families and, and we tell families a lot is that unfortunately, a lot of adoption is a political process. There's so much that goes on. Uh, international adoption, obviously you're, you're working with governments and foreign policy uh, runs amok and you'll see adoption slow down or time periods slow down. And certainly we know that there are laws on the books domestically uh, that, that can complicate either a foster care scenario or domestic adoption. But then also NCFA has had just a huge voice in advocacy for the adoption tax credit and for other things before uh, Congress, uh, the CHIF legislation and others. What are some, some political adoption-related issues that would be of interest of families that are going on right now or that they should be aware of? Well, you mentioned the adoption tax credit, and, and Herbie, you, you have actually been a resource to, to me uh, over the years on that, given your, your background in, in uh, accounting and other things. But uh, also, very recently, when um, the comprehensive tax reform package um, issued by the House of Representatives had, had eliminated the adoption tax credit, and and uh, you're part of a, a large group with us uh, that were strong advocates for that, and and um, we all rallied and and um, worked really hard to um, convince the uh, the House to put the adoption tax credit back in that legislation, and the Senate had a, a, a watched all that happen, and so when they introduced their version of the bill, it uh, it continued the adoption tax credit. Um, and we've already talked about the cost of adoption being an issue. So seeing that adoption tax credit preserved was um, very important. Um, we are hopeful um, as they look at providing some technical fixes. See, it made a refundable credit again, and you can probably explain refundability better than I can, but um, we, we, we do think that a refundable adoption tax credit serves families and children better. Well, Chuck, I mean, obviously we, uh, we are for the adoption tax credit and the refundability, like you said, is, is just where uh, families can, can get the refund first year. It's, uh, it's, it's not a, a credit per se, but it's an actual refund of anything that they've paid. And that's a great deal, but certainly anything on the tax credit is a win. And we're just, we're grateful for what NCFA and other organizations have done to uh, advocate for that. And so uh, just would encourage folks to learn more about NCFA and to get engaged. We're just grateful for all that you've done. And, you know, Chuck, as we, we kind of close, um, just, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what is one memory that happened in your tenure at Lifeline uh, and I know it's hard even to just press those down into one. And maybe there's something about Mr. Carr, our founder, that just uh, that's just impressed upon your mind that you could leave us with. Oh, well, I don't even have to think about it. Um, it's my first day um, there at um, at Lifeline, and I would I showed up for work thinking I'd have a little bit of time to 
unpack my things and get situated at a desk. But uh, and I got there early because, you know, I'd like to be prompt. And and uh, Mr. Carr was already there at the location on Pump House Road out in the parking lot waiting for me to get there. And he said, get in the car. We've got um, we've had two babies born and we've got to go pick them up. And so we spent the next 15 hours traveling around Alabama um, discharging uh, two babies from different hospitals. Um, and I remember um, taking care of those children uh, in the back seat. And, and I, I, it just really was so representative of what the, the next almost 17 years would be like, just a, a wild and wonderful ride that it was. And so, um, and you know, he was such a good, uh, and gracious man, he he was my mentor, and um, you know I just treasure um, all that he taught me, and um, he taught me a lot about people. He cared more about people than policy, and and um, you know I've always been this person who wanted to know what the rules and what the policies were, but uh, people always came first with him, and so um, he taught me to prioritize uh, people, and um, and. It's just a lesson that has stuck with me um, all of these years. Now, 32 years later, um, it is something that still, um, I think of him, um, I have a picture of uh, him and uh, Wells Goble, who was also a big part of the early days of Lifeline and here in my office. And um, uh, both both those men were just uh, great um, mentors and, and they invested in me and, um, I value that so much, even after all these years. Well, we know that uh, the Lord certainly started something awesome through John Carr and Wells Goble and continued it through you, and you were faithful to continue the mission and to pass the torch. And so, Chuck, thank you for not only what you mean to Lifeline, but also for what you mean to the greater adoption community as you guys advocate with the NCFA. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel for you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.